Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Do you need heavy equipment or farm equipment? Look no further than Southern Equipment and Parts in Laurel. We have a wide selection of new and used equipment from many top brands. We also offer parts, service, and rentals. Whether you're a contractor, farmer, or just need help around the house, we have what you need. Southern Equipment is your one-stop shop for all farm and heavy equipment. Visit us at 5237 Highway 84 West and southernequipparts.com or call 601-651-4555. Or pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, get ready for another edition of the Super Talk Eagle Hour. We're glad you're with us. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson today. We're in the Southern Bank Corps studios at Hattiesburg and Laurel. On the road tomorrow at Mobay Beignet, but today broadcasting from our studios. Want to thank Dickie's Barbecue Pit for sponsorship of our program and sponsorship of Southern Miss Athletics. They do so much. And they cook such good food, they can cater any event for you, large or small. And it's a great place to take your family out to eat. Dickie's Barbecue, we appreciate all they do. Well, sad news today to report at the top of the program. One of the most iconic and famous uh, members ever of the Southern Miss Athletic Department, Tori Bowie, has died at the young age of 32. She was a four-year letter winner from Southern Miss 2009 through 2012 and became one of the most famous track stars in the world. No uh, details surrounding her death right now. We're sad to point this uh, news out to you. But, Luke, uh, Tori Bowie accomplished an awful lot in her young life. From the uh, community of Sand Hill in Rankin County, uh, I believe she was a Pisgah Dragon, graduated um, there, and then was at Southern Miss, as you said, a four-year, four-year letterman, and came onto the scene um, early in her uh, her Golden Eagle um, career, became an, an NCAA uh, indoor champion, and a lot of people you know her for her sprinting, but she was in the long jump, and uh, she she also was very successful in in the triple triple jump, and just last year was elected into the Southern Miss M Club Hall of Fame. Um, everybody remembers just uh, the international fame uh, she came to in the 2016 Olympic Games in Rio de Janeiro, won a gold, a silver, and a bronze. The gold in the four by one hundred, um, the silver in the hundred meter. Where literally she lost probably by a thousandth of a second uh, and got the silver and then also in the 200 meter ran a ran a, uh, got a bronze uh, medal and then next the next year at the world championships won the gold in the four by 100 again and uh, won a gold in uh, the 100 meter which made her in 2017 the fastest woman in the world and it's just one of those days i mean um the, the, she is as far as you know southern miss athletes at the very very top of of their career i mean she's she's there i mean she was she was the the most accomplished and fastest woman in the world um and it's just hard to believe at the age of uh, of 32 um that she is no longer with us uh, the athletic department 
putting out uh, some statements today. Uh, Southern Miss track and field uh, coach John Stewart, who we'll, we'll have him on probably, uh, I, I guess, next week just to talk about uh, where where uh, Tori, just the, the magnitude and how great of a runner she was. Uh, I'm very saddened to hear of Tori's passing. She was such an iconic figure for our track and field program. Only wish comfort and peace for her family and friends. Jeremy McLean also commenting, We are heartbroken to learn of the tragic passing of Tori Bowie. She represented the Golden Eagle spirit in so many ways and was an inspiration to many of our student athletes. Tori Bowie, dead at 32. Right, and one final note, she holds the distinction of being the last American female to win the 100-meter race on an international stage, and she did that in 2017 in the World Championships in London. So quite a legacy uh, being left, and as we find more details, we'll certainly pass those along to you. On a brighter note, uh, the last midweek baseball game of the season took place last night, and it turned out very well for the Golden Eagles as they beat Tulane 10-5. to Come, They were behind 4-1 to at one point. Uh, but come from behind 10 to 5. And of course, it was their seventh straight win. And the big moment was the grand slam of uh, Monastere, the first of his career, and the second in his many games for the Golden Eagles, and the third on the team this season. So, uh, Monastere, Nick Monastere, uh, Luke, beginning to make quite a name for himself as a true freshman. Yeah, I mean, he what he hit a, he hit a complete bomb to left field last week against Tulane, and that was, of course, the uh, the turning moment um, in the game. Uh, Monastere, his average now at two seventy one. That was uh, four, fourteen RBIs on on the season. Now, I think off the field, um, I couldn't see it, uh, but it seems like in the middle of the fifth inning, Scott Barry had a come to truth meeting in the dugout. Is is what the word was, and uh, yeah, Golden Eagles in in the fifth scored two runs, and they scored four in in the sixth, added another two in the seventh, and then uh, and then one in in the eighth. And uh, you look at what happened last night offensively: Etzel four of five, um, two RBIs. Dickerson went two of five. Peto went two of five. Um, and and so again, one of those nights where a different guy steps up, um, and the Golden Eagles. I mean, that's what they need from from Etzel. I I thought coming out I was like, okay, we're we're about to dominate in this game. Three straight hits, and then last night, Bob, until the Monastery Grand Slam, they really couldn't do anything with the bases loaded. Man, they left the bases loaded. I want to say three times in the game uh, and, and without, without scoring. And then finally the grand slam, but yeah, it was getting pretty frustrating. It was a four to one and we were leaving on people on base. I, I want to say 13, maybe last night left on base total. And so if you score yeah, 10 13. runs and, and leave 13 people on base, <laughs> I mean, you're getting a lot of people on base and obviously, uh, you, you scored plenty to win, but man, you gotta, you gotta try to cut that out. That's a, uh, that's been a little bit of a thorn all year, and uh, hopefully that shakes itself out down the stretch here. Yeah, Golden Eagles also, you, you mentioned 13. They also had 13 hits um, on the night. Um, Pitching-wise, I mean, Nico Mazza, they, we, we talked yesterday, could we get him into the fifth? Could we get him into the sixth? He went five and a third, six strikeouts, only walked one batter. And he gave up three runs, but I felt like um, I felt like that three runs would have been diminished at the time had the Golden Eagles capitalized on those bases loaded situations that you just referred to. Eagles could have very easily 
been up five or six to three, you oh, know, in by God. the fourth inning. And, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, how about Sibley? And then Justin Storm, the first batter he struck out, I think he was 94 from the left side. And when you're six foot seven, that, there's a couple of extra ticks on the on the radar gun coming in. Storm continues to be dominant, and uh, Sively looked good in three innings. Well, they both look very good. You're right. Sively, I thought, pitched very, very well. And Storm, you know, he's he's really come on. Justin has really picked it up here the last few games. And uh, and he, you're right, man. He's throwing uh, lightning balls. And, uh, you know, he's so, he's so assuming looking on the mound. You know, he's such a big kid that uh, – you know, I've obviously never faced anything like that, but that could be a little intimidating, right, Luke? Have a kid that big and the ball's coming downhill 94 miles an hour at you? Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. It's even more so. So if you remember, we used to talk about Walker Powell and with the longer, you know, release point or being closer to the plate, the ball gets on you a lot, a lot closer. I don't think Powell threw, you know, 93 or 94. Storm had a couple 94s last night. He was really around 92. But yeah, those guys released the ball closer to the plate. And, you know, we've, Oz has kind of walked us through some of that. There, there is some, uh, some of it, uh, doesn't happen maybe as, as strong as what you think it does. Uh, but, but it does have an effect on the batter. If for nothing else, you see the ball a fraction of a second less and, I mean, especially uh, the last guy that he faced, the guy was hacking and, uh, you know, just couldn't, couldn't catch up to it. And so in what we've been talking about, um, with it, with a bullpen that, you know, early in the season, we were just like, okay, it's going to be an adventure. Apart from, from Sively, Storm has, has been the bright spot in the bullpen where you feel now he is the absolute solidified closer. And he can come in, and he can get anybody out in whatever situation you need him. Pure speculation on my part, Luke. But the Golden Eagles have won seven straight games since they went down twenty to seven against Coastal Carolina. That seem it, it appears to me to have been a wake up call. These guys are far too talented to get beat like that. And boy, have they ever responded from those two beatdowns they took out at Coastal. And if you remember what Heath Hinton told us yesterday, you know there was a kind of a I'm not sure if it was coaches, players, or players or whatever, but you know before game three at Coastal, and that's where the offense has really, you know, taken off. Going into last night, what 17 home runs? They hit another one last night, so 18 home runs. You know, in, in that in that stretch, um, pretty remarkable. This team now uh, their average has has come up. Uh, about a week has come up 15 points as a team. They're 276 right now, 58 home runs on the year. At some point when we get a little time, we've got to talk a little bit about Danny Lynch. And Danny Lynch, is uh, his approach to the plate. Have you, have you seen some of this body language coming from Lynch lately when he's up to bat? There, there is like being <laughs> loose at the plate, and then there's Danny Lynch. Um, <laughs> Just amazing. It's so much fun to watch. You you wonder though in the last and, and maybe it's it's been two years, so it doesn't matter. You wonder if if that's going to change as it goes on, whatever he's feeling at the moment. It'd be really interesting to see what his approach is and how loose he is against Louisiana in a few weeks. <laughs> they love him there. We know that, yeah. The great Danny Lynch, man, and it's gonna be hard to replace that big personality. All right, when we come back, you know who's coming to town. We're gonna talk to their play-by-play announcer and i did see a meme where they said the the golden buzzards are next we're gonna we're gonna have to ask jd byers about that stay with us
Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, welcome back to the show. Bob and Luke with you this afternoon from Southern Bank Core Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. That's the sponsor of this segment of the show every day. It's a great place to go buy all your Southern Miss apparel. You can shop online at CampusBookmart.net. You can shop them seven days a week on Hardy Street, right across the street from the USM campus. Well, it's it's that weekend. Uh, Southern Miss baseball fans are certainly aware of South Alabama baseball. It's been a longtime rival. But th- this year, I guess for the first time, it means more than ever because it is a conference rival. And uh, South Alabama's coming to the Pete, as you all well know, uh, Friday afternoon. They're... 23 and 21 on the season. Uh, but as Coach Scott Berry pointed out to us Monday, they've been winning a lot lately, and I think they've won five straight Sun Belt weekend series. I tell you who can answer all those questions is JD Byers. He does the play by play for South Alabama. He's uh, back uh, for a number of times now on the Eagle Hour. We're always glad to hear from him. JD, how are you? Man, I'm great. Uh, you know, just last week, now moving to weekend series, how cool it was to be playing softball and on social media and on our fan social sites, the groups, seeing everybody get in buses, vans, and cars and driving over just to watch softball. And uh, it, it's going to be great. And uh, getting the first weekend series started at your place will be great for both programs. Yeah, I do think that I do think in time that the uh, Southern Miss South Al rivalry is going to really, really grow. Uh, now that we're all, we weren't supposed to say way. that on air, JD. We 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 made a pact. <laughs> we, it comes out. We we so, we're sorry. Yeah, no, no, no offense there, JD. I know. No, we did see a. We did see a. You go ahead and describe to him what we saw, Luke. Yeah, the uh, you always have to make sure what you see on Twitter is not like some troll account that poses, but the real South Alabama baseball Twitter account. Uh, yeah. Two days ago, J.D. Byers says, those mustard buzzards are up next. <laughs> oh, my. That's actually a pretty – that's one of the better terms. Uh, nicer terms, actually. If you, uh, FCC won't let me say the other ones. Hey, how about, uh, you know, Troy, uh, they won't even, like, put our name on their schedule or results. Uh, I don't even think they use our logo or they put a bar through it. That's a pretty nasty one, too. We don't really do that with them. Uh, I think that gets at them because we, we consider more healthier, fun rivalries now with uh, Southern Miss and Louisiana and the Raging Cajuns. A lot of, lo- a lot of love in the league, isn't there, J.D.? <laughs> well, yeah. you know, you, you, uh, we, we, we found out about the Georgia, Georgia Southern and Crap State. We found out about that. Uh, so we, we keep we keep discovering all the little intricacies of the Sunbelt Conference, and yeah. and it's really fun. All right, so, Jetty, all year long, you know, up until you guys hit conference play, you're like, what's up with the Jags? What's up with the Jags? And they're back. I mean, five out of the last six uh, conference series, I should say five in a row that you guys have won. Yeah, the uh, – you know, it's kind of been home and away. Uh, it all got kick-started going up to James Madison because the first two conference series – Ooh, that was bad. That's why we're still fighting to even get in the conference tournament. Our, we're our heads just above that magical line there of the top ten getting to go to Montgomery. Uh, but we, we get swept at Georgia Southern. We come back, lose two of three at home to Louisiana. Uh, and we actually took game one by a pretty healthy margin, but then the Cajuns just uh, went to work. But uh, since then, starting to piece it together. Uh, got out to a good start against Troy in the – 
the piece that it seems is that that's still unsettled for South Alabama baseball is pieces are coming together and the A team, I love it when a plan comes together, except for that Friday night starter and can't get somebody to dominantly step up. And they threw Leif Moore out uh, to start Friday night. It was his first conference start. And, man, quality start, six scoreless innings, three hits, only struck out two, so the defense helped him a lot. But now that complements who they're throwing on Saturday and Sunday. So maybe the pitching's finally worked out. We'll see how good it is, though, against those really good bats for Southern Miss starting Friday night. Golden Eagle fans are familiar with with Jeremy Lee. Uh, Faced him in some of the midway. I think he basically – Pitched awesome against us last year, and then went to went to the the weekend rotation. Who 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 else uh, is going to be you know besides Moore in that weekend rotation? And then maybe you know talk some about your your two hitters. The two guys that really yeah. jump out to me are Turner and Sullivan. Uh, so on pitching, you'll expect uh, Lake Moore's got to go again. I mean, he was just lights out. The uh, weekend finale, so your game three, will be Jeremy Lee, so you're accustomed to him and know what he does. Uh, Mitchell Hur, though, has been a newcomer that it felt like, okay, he may pitch out of the pen, but he's actually going to be a third baseman and a good bat. Uh, right out of the gate, he was nervous, had some errors. They had to take him out of the third base lineup until he calmed down. But then the guy they put in, Tyler Borges, has been so good. And then Mitchell Hur got on the mound, and they're like, wait a minute, he is a better pitcher than we thought. Now he's a weekend guy, and they don't use him as a bat necessarily. So Mitchell Herr uh, was in the middle game that the Jags lost last time out. Uh, he took the loss to go to 3-2. and two. He allowed five runs, which was kind of an anomaly for him. And then, you know, Jeremy Lee will come in. Offensively, uh, Will Turner, sophomore from Auburn, is, you know, just so solid. Uh, the guy leads in batting average. Uh, top five, I think, in the conference in batting average. Tops in total extra base hits. He's not our home run leader, but if you combine all of the doubles and all the triples, the guy's really, really fast. And uh, he does not lead in stolen bases, but uh, Will Turner kind of anchors the bats that come to the plate. He's he's not clean up, but um, the guy just has a knack for getting on base. All right, let's get your perspective of this as, as you guys play around the league, uh, uh, J.D. Who, who's the best Who's the best league team South Alabama has seen so far this year? Well, at the time, it had to be Georgia Southern. But then turning around and putting eyeballs on them, uh, that South Alabama has played, and I don't think it's actually the answer to being the best in the league, but Louisiana is really good. Um, They're pitching. You know, they go into that extra inning game to decide the series against Coastal Carolina. Uh, The Shauna Clears. You know, what is it, the 11th inning, finally get the, the, the right hit at the right time to score and win it like 2-1. to one. But uh, Louisiana's pitching over the entire weekend. They're pretty deep there. Uh, I like how they play fast and confident. They're hard to beat at home. But I think overall it's still everybody chasing Coastal Carolina. Top to bottom, I think they're the best in the league. Uh, they've pulled away from Marshall that kind of came out gangbusters, but I think Marshall probably scheduled a little bit light in non-conference, and they weren't the team we thought they were going into league play. So I think a lot's going to indicate that you'll get a you know a one-seed Coastal Carolina, uh, Louisiana perhaps right behind them if it's not Southern Miss, because that's the top three, Golden Eagles, Raging Cajuns, and Chanticleers. That's interesting. How much, how much strength do you feel like, because you've watched the Sun Belt for a long time, that uh... – the additions of, of Old Dominion, Southern Miss, and Marshall have brought to the baseball table? 
you know, I think it's the when the entire transition happens because James Madison is, you know, going from one double A in football up to one A, and that I was telling somebody this yesterday. When you make the move to FBS, it either goes during the transition period, you're either really good or you're not good at all. There's no middle ground. But then when you get to the end of the transition, it, it, it becomes a tough road. Georgia Southern was a good example. They were really good in football. But then when the head count of the scholarships all took effect, folks started tagging them pretty good. And uh, now you kind of find out where you stand, how much money you need to invest, how now the NIL, et cetera. But baseball, speaking for James Madison, Old Dominion, Marshall, and Southern Miss, that's the one sport that, by golly, everybody got stronger in this conference with the addition of those programs because uh, they have great history, they're well coached, and they know how to recruit, and they play really well. And I, I think this conference deserves a whole lot more attention from D1 Baseball, Perfect Game, and anybody, Warren Nolan, that week in, week out, some of the best baseball in the country. We're, we're above the Big Ten. I don't know if you knew that in right, uh, right. conference RPI. Uh, and there's no other group of five, you know, that's as high in RPI as we are, Sunbelt. So you're expecting to see a lot of love on the field this weekend when South Alabama and Southern Miss collide. Is that what we're hearing, J.D.? Man, I, you know, I don't know if it's ever gotten nasty. Uh, but, yeah, that's – <laughs> that's going to be fun to see it go over the course of three games because it used to just be, let's, let's play a midweek, it's nine innings, we'll put up with each other and you know go on and get back into conference play. But now they matter. And right. uh, there's bragging rights, but there's also very fertile uh, recruiting ground because the JUCO system in Mississippi is unequaled in the country. You'll get some out of uh, Kansas. You'll get some over in Arizona uh, every now and then. But – the bulk, I think, of a lot of rosters in the southeastern United States come out of the JUCO ranks in Mississippi, and there's right. there's a few in Florida, but it's so good in Mississippi. All right, before we let you go, I just want you to know that we confirmed with Scott Berry Monday that no, no matter how well you guys hit this weekend, you will not hear the bags are full of jags. We will not be playing that at Pete <laughs> Taylor Park. <Jay. laughs> yeah, man, what a what a dear man. That was our former public address announcer who passed away, and he actually let us video him in the public address announcer booth doing that. So long after he was gone, we can still put that on the video board when the bases are loaded at well, home. And there you go. Good, good dude. Scott, Scott said that uh, he and Lane Burroughs were joking about that. Yeah. And they were, and 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 Eagles went to play the Jags the very same day. And Scott said, "If you didn't know, in the first inning, we heard that." Yeah. Hey, well, uh, but it's a, between the fifth, you got to either you like it or you don't. There's no middle ground. Was there was a local TV weatherman way back in the '70s recorded a song, "Look at them Jaguars," and you either like it or you don't. But it's going to be played in the fifth inning at home. Uh, always a pleasure, Jackie. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We'll be back, everybody. Southern Miss to the top. All right, I want to thank J.D. Byers from South Alabama. South Al, however you want to describe him. We appreciate J.D. coming on the show. Always good sport and always enjoy our conversations. This segment sponsored by 4th Street Bar and Grill. Great place to watch the ball games this weekend. If you're not at the peak, great place to have lunch Monday through Friday. And a great place to enjoy a delicious shrimp pour boy anytime you like. 4th Street Bar and Grill. 
uh, located right there in the shadow of the rock. Also want to thank our good friends at Jana King, the King of Clean. Their team has been working for over 35 years cleaning places of work, education, medicine, eatery, stadiums, and worship. Jana King can do the same thing for your business. All you need to do to find out more information, go to JanaKingCleans.com. And also remind you about the Super Talk Eagle Hour podcast. You can hear it anytime you like on Apple, Audible, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or you can just tell Alexa to play the Super Talk Eagle Hour. All right. All that housework out of the way. Let's go to Patrick McGee down at NOLA.com. Uh, the draft has come and gone. Patrick, you uh, you indicated to me off air you gave the Saints maybe a B-plus. Kind of summarize what the Saints did and how you think they may have helped the team. Well, I think they you know hit a lot of the areas that we had talked about coming in. Uh, and starting off, they went with the fat defensive tackle with Brian Brissy, a player that who had been tied to the Saints for a while, uh, somebody who was a – uh, at, at times, you know, potentially a top five, considered a top five pick in the NFL over the last, you know, two or three years while he was at Clemson. Uh, but, you know, go down, I guess the one position that they didn't scoop up that you maybe thought they would is that is tight end. Uh, uh, but, you know, they got offensive tackle, running back, defensive end, um, a nut quarterback and Jake Hayner in the fourth round. And you have the safety Jordan Howden for, uh, for depth and then you have, Really, Luke and I have talked about is A.T. Perry, uh, the last pick of the draft by the Saints receiver. I wait for is kind of has a chance to answer that need. They need he's a six foot three receiver. Uh, had a lot of success. Wait for us. He's, he's somebody I would think that has a pretty good shot to make the team. So overall, I think they did a good job of bringing in players that have a chance to make an impact. I'm never a huge fan of of going fourth round with a quarterback who's, who's you know got some potential, but it just remains to be seen. But you know, overall, I, I think it was a solid draft for the Saints and. And some answering some needs that they that they wanted to to get into. Luke, get in here. Yeah, I, I was pleased with the defensive lineman. Uh, kind, kind of the I don't know if you necessarily want to do this, but but talk about um, Keandre Miller from TCU, mm-hmm. fourteen hundred yards last year. You know, Deuce kind of had to kind of like say, "Hey, hey, young fella, like like chill a little bit," because I, I think as soon as he he's he's basically like a mirror image of of uh, Kamara. He's he's I think yeah. Alvin's five ten, Miller's five eleven. But he said, "I respect Alvin Kamara, but I'm coming for that number one spot." I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you you appreciate the fight in in him. I just don't know if you uh, you should say that on the day you were drafted. No, probably not the best thing for him to say. But, you know, uh, the, the Saints fans have to be excited. I mean, Kendra Miller is an exciting player. Uh, he's a big play guy. Uh, they haven't really had somebody outside of, you know, Kamara capable of doing that. Uh, it, you, you, Jamal Williams, Kamara, and then bringing in Kendra Miller, these are all guys who have, a, you know, who, who have star potential, have fulfilled either our stars now or Kendra Miller has a shot to be a real star in the NFL. He was that kind of an explosive player in college, uh, but as we all know, it's kind of it can be hit and miss at running back in the NFL. But this guy has a ton of potential, and uh, if you're going to be without Kamara for a while, it helps to have somebody like a Miller who can hit a big run. I, I mean, I feel like I feel like Perry was a value pick. I'm not saying he's going to turn into Colston, but I'm I'm saying right. big body receiver late, um, Howden. Uh, thoughts on him, and is it a B plus because because of the fourth round quarterback pick, or or what would have taken it yeah. to get to an A minus? 
Yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I, you know, the, the quarterback pick, I mean, we'll see what he turns into. I just don't like it. It just screams of Ian Book. <laughs> uh, you know, not to insult uh, uh, Hainer here, but I, I, they didn't get a tight end, and I didn't really see a need to, to draft a quarterback at that point. And uh, that's why I probably wouldn't give the team an A. And and the other part about the tight end, I mean, you trade Troutman away with to to, to move up. Who did they who did right. they move up for to get that? Was that the Perry pick? Uh, yeah, yeah, that was the Perry pick. And yeah, yeah, I just I I am surprised they didn't try to get a tight end at some point, and they went safety uh, there in the fifth round. So and it was a strong year for tight ends. Uh, I know probably the best ones were off the board by the time they picked in the first round. Um, Mayor was still there. Mayor yeah, was still yeah. there at, at first. But you, I mean, your guys there. They they've been targeting him the whole time. You right. got to take him there at twenty nine. Yeah, yeah. I, it, like the last uh, two years, I've written ahead of the draft, to try to be prepared in case they go one way or another. And last year, I wrote the only two stories I wrote were about. Alave and, and pinning, and then this year the only player I wrote about was Bercy, so I feel pretty smart. <laughs> the last <laughs> two years they've been up picking those guys, so just ask me who I'm writing about next year. Maybe we'll have a good idea who they're going to pick. Um, but yeah, Bercy was kind of the obvious dude. So it, it, you know, that's what makes it a solid draft. It feels like they brought in a lot of the guys they like, guys they think are, are good fits. So I think pretty much everybody they brought in uh, is going to have a chance to make the roster out, you know, Hainers. You know what? I'm guessing they expect him to be the third stringer, yeah. uh, setting him up for the future. But we'll see. He, you know, he's five eleven. We'll we'll see. We'll see. I, I just don't understand that one very much. Is there a sense that Alvin Kamara has peaked and is on the tail end of his career, Patrick? Is that is that fair to no. say? No, no, I don't. I don't think so. I think he's still got a lot left. Uh, he has been banged up a little bit off and on, like any running back in the NFL here is the last year or two. Um, but no, he's still got a lot left. Uh, I think a lot of people really look at what the Saints did this year is they didn't utilize him enough in the right ways in the passing game and stuff like that. So, uh, looking ahead, I think Kamara's got, you know, potential for a good, you know, at least two or three years ahead of him. Yeah, he's, he's a great talent. I mean, I don't, I don't think yeah. there's any question. All right. We've got about right. uh, three and a half minutes left. Uh, I know that when you were, uh, working, uh, here in uh, our area, uh, you did a lot of coverage of uh, of Tory Bowie, who, uh, as we reported at the start of the show, has unexpectedly passed away. Your your memories and your thoughts about Tory Bowie and where she stands, not only I I think not only in Southern Miss track and field history, but in American track and field history. Well, yeah, I mean for for USM, she really stands out as kind of the model of of you know, of track and field and, and what you can co- do coming out of that program. I mean, whenever she stepped on the Southern Miss campus, she was running on that track that was falling apart. Uh, she comes from, she came from really, really humble beginnings, had a really rough start, started out in foster care. Uh, her grandmother had to come and get her out of foster care. And she grew up in Sand Hill, this tiny community there. She told me about how, you know, her early training was seeing, you know, if she could d- jump that ditch, you know. And uh, to see her kind of come all the way up and, and get through a Southern Miss program that really didn't have a lot going for it at the time and be able to accomplish what she did as a long jumper in college and then became a top-notch sprinter uh, after college. It was really remarkable. It just shows you how good of an athlete that she was uh, to come through and achieve what she was able to do. You know, won three medals there in 2016 in Brazil. It's really sad. Uh, she came so far and she worked worked so hard at it and uh she kind of fell off the radar a little bit in the track and field game in recent years and, it, and it's really sad 
you know, waking up this morning and finding out that, that she's passed away. Uh, she was just always a really bright spirit, um, tough kid, very tough, a uh, very tough woman. Uh, but, you know, just that smile, and she had a lot of life in her, and to, and to hear that her life has come to such a short end is really uh, tragic. Huge smile. That's that's one Absolutely. thing we'll always yeah. remember about her. Where does she stand, Patrick? Um, I, I would argue that, that she stands as maybe one of the top three Southern Miss athletes of all time. I, I, you know, that's tough to do. That's something I try not to do, um, you know, in, in terms of – but, you know, she's right there on – you know, I, I, she'd be in the running for the Ru- Mount Rushmore. Uh, it's, you know, she was able to achieve a lot without a whole lot given to her from day one. Um, and she, I guess basketball was really her first sport and she, she really just picked up sprinting kind of later in the game. So, yeah, I mean, she's right there among the greats and, and, you know, there's a lot of big names, but, you know, to reach that level in the Olympics and and win three medals, that's, you know, she's the standard when it comes to track and field and what everybody aspires to coming out of a school like Southern Miss. And when you, when you reflect on her childhood, it, it, does remind us all it is a sad day you're you're exactly that, that's well that was well said patrick it, it is it is a sad day to, to think that she's passed at age 32 yeah she came a long way she put a lot of work into it so it yeah and just to see things in so her, you know her track career seemed to kind of end early and have her life end early is, is really really sad no i i don't think we could say it any better All right, my friend, we thank you very much, and I always look forward to our conversations with you each week, and uh, we'll be looking forward to talk to you next Thursday or Wednesday. Okay, thanks, guys. All right, Patrick McGee, everybody, uh, from NOLA.com. And, again, I think Patrick just did a great job of putting in perspective uh, the loss of Tori Bowie, and, uh, you know, we wish wish the best today uh, for her family. We'll be right back. segment on a beautiful Wednesday here in South Mississippi brought to you by D1 Training and DBAT on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. DBATHattiesburg.com. Visit that website and see everything that DBAT and D1 Training has to offer for you. Luke Johnson, Bob Getty from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Men's golf wrapping up the year and three Golden Eagles. 
named for all Sunbelt honors. Graduate transfer Cameron Clark from Pittsburgh, Mississippi. Ryan Dupuy from Baton Rouge. And Robbie Ladder from Ontario, Canada. All selected to the all-Sunbelt team's honors. Clark, a first-team honor. Dupuy, a second-team honor. And Ladder, a third team. So uh, congratulations to those guys. Um, as well, Cameron Clark, some additional uh, just achievements by him. He's the league's newcomer of the year. More Cameron Clark. has He has actually been selected to receive an NCAA individual berth. Um, he will... In a few weeks, so uh, not this weekend, but next, he will be at the Auburn Regional at the Auburn University um, Club. So first uh, first Golden Eagle, I think, since uh, 2011. And, of course, uh, some names in Southern Miss lore that have competed also in NCAA individual bursts. Uh, V.J. Trollio and uh, Timmy Overton, both up um, club pros up at uh, Old Waverly. So Cameron Clark uh, will compete in the uh, 2023 NCAA Golf Championship. Congratulations uh, to him. Baseball action last night uh, around the Sun Belt. Appalachian State defeats in East Tennessee State 14-6. to Charlotte beats Coastal Carolina and Conway 7-3. to Marshall, Virginia Tech were canceled. Texas State defeats Incarnate Word 10 to 5. Troy knocks off Jacksonville State 8 to 5. Vanderbilt defeats Georgia State 5 to 1. Memphis uh, defeats Arkansas State in Jonesboro 13 to 4. And of course, the Golden Eagles uh, defeat Tulane last night 10 to 5. Good game last night. Big series coming up. Uh, weather seems maybe a little iffy. I think a 50, 60% chance of rain. Let me. Uh... Let me pull that up real quick, Luke, and uh, let's see. As you're, yeah, as you're pulling that up, Coastal Falls in RPI. Eagles, they're at nine now. Eagles actually uh, fell a few slots, and it's just because, you know, of the teams uh, that you're playing. Eagles now at 28, Troy at 32, Texas State at 46, Old Dominion at 60, Georgia Southern at 70, Louisiana at 79, Georgia State at 92, and then Appalachian State inside uh or at at the top hundred at a hundred even South Alabama at one hundred seven so some about as Jetty Byers mentioned uh, I think he, he didn't say this on air but but some about right now five uh, fifth overall conference wise in uh, in RPI as a conference obviously the best group of five baseball conference in the country no question all right a fifty percent chance of rain as of today for Friday a sixty percent chance for Saturday I don't know what that means but I would be kind of be on my p's and q's to potential game time changes as uh, Scott Berry and his staff try to work with the National Weather Service to figure out windows in which uh, you can play baseball. Hopefully, it'll all go off on time. We're down to two weekend series, and you don't want to lose those Friday nights at the Pete. They're very magical, and uh, let's just all hope that uh, Friday night at 6 o'clock is when the first pitch takes place, and it's not something that we have to move up. I uh, want to thank D1DBAT for their sponsorship of our program. It's a great place to take your children for baseball and uh, uh, softball training. Also, D1 uh, can help adult athletes of any kind. And tomorrow, Luke, we're back on the road. Mo Bay Beignet Company, the official. So the last time we were there, you put Santa to the curb. You shamed him in the beignet eating contest. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, and... You know, just going to throw out the word now. If they want to bring a few beignets by the table, I think you and I'd be happy to sample those for them. Yeah, I'm sure they will. We we uh, we have to sample whatever uh, flavor of the month it is, whatever 
Uh, syrup and dipping side will be there. Of course, it's always fun to see our good friends. I'm uh, at at Mobe Beignet. I, I'm pretty sure the mayor uh, will will make an appearance. The mayor of the roost, Jody Lott. Yeah, and we got great guests tomorrow too, don't we? Yeah, Joe Marino, uh, f- player development for football. He's going to be joining us tomorrow. Really uh, giving us, you know, what what these kids like uh, like Eric Scott and Jason Brownlee and and some of the other uh, free agent signings and 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 I'll talk some. I would like to to talk to Joe because he has worked in the NFL. My experience in rookie minicamp um, with the Detroit Lions, but I mean that was you know fifteen over fifteen years ago. What it looks like now is it the same? And you know, for a guy like uh, like Eric Scott, a tremendous opportunity to not only make the roster but to contribute. I would think a lot on special teams. But you know, what do guys like like Jason Brownlee you know have to do to impress uh, with with New York and uh, Natron Brooks? He's he's going to be in New York. Um, as well, Quion with the Bears and then Dulce with the Ravens. But that'll be tomorrow at Mo Bay. Cliff Russell will also be joining us tomorrow. Daniel Stewart's going to drop by and see us. We'll have a couple of former Southern Miss baseball pitchers to break down the uh, South Owl series over the weekend. Can I say that? I'm sorry. South Alabama. If, if JD's not on, you can say it. It's yeah. totally okay. South Owl, 6 o'clock Friday night. We just always remember – that even though they beat us in football for two years, their uh, their head football coach is a Southern Miss Golden Eagle. No Just always r- remind them of that. There's no question. All right, we'll see you at Mo Bay Beignet tomorrow at 1. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. Talk Mississippi Media Production.